from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy. There he is, Johnny Gilbert on the axe, bringing us in, giving it a little bit of Jeopardy Masters edge, I feel, in that little solo. It has a little bit more this week. Yeah, bringing that energy, just like he does to the opens of Masters. It's here, Michael. We've officially kicked off Jeopardy! Masters with four very exciting episodes. A lot in store to discuss today on the pod, and we have all those syndicated shows to discuss as well, where Hannah Wilson secured her spot in the TOC. Yeah, absolutely. This is, we should say, I was just talking about Johnny Gilbert. I never said this is Inside Jeopardy! Welcome, your exclusive official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy! I'm Michael Davies. That was Sarah Foss, producer Sarah Foss, and Buzzy Cohen. The great Buzzy Cohen. TOC level yeah. Buzzy Cohen. Not a master yet. Been... Maybe. Maybe a master. Maybe a master. Master never. podcaster. We'll see yeah. I'm going to say master eligible. podcaster. I make day by day decisions about your eligibility. For okay, good to know. Of well, we know how much we enjoyed watching these episodes in the studio. Yeah. All of us were there. And now to see the public finally yes. get to watch them. And the reception has been incredible. Yeah, I've been following along on Reddit, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on uh, TikTok. <laughs> I've been in taxis, watching the taxi TV. I've been following along uh, with all of you as you've been enjoying these episodes. Thank you for all of the kind words. You know, this is our pride and joy. This is the pinnacle of our game. This is, we've called it our Super Bowl. And it has been just as much a thrill for us producing these episodes and witnessing them sitting next to you, Sarah, at the producer's table in the Alex Trebek stage. Buzzing, you're usually <laughs> right behind me uh, in the VIP seating in the Alex Trebek stage. It's been a real thrill. The ratings have been, you know, superb on Monday night, number one show on all of television, other than the NBA Finals. <laughs> on Tuesday night, number one show on all of television, other than the NBA Finals. Uh, on Wednesday, they put us in the toughest time period of all time. We had the NBA <laughs> playing both in New York and in Los Angeles. We had a special Trump town hall and a brutal time period against uh, Masked Singer and Survivor. And we acquitted ourselves <laughs> yes. admirably uh, against yeah. all of that competition and did so well. Uh, Friday night, still waiting for the Friday yeah. night numbers to come in. Special Friday night under the lights <laughs> in the Alex Trebek stage. Uh, we'll see how that done. But getting ready again for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. And then the semifinals and finals Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Bear with us. We know this is a new schedule. We know this is an additional Jeopardy event. Over time, everybody will understand when it is and when it airs and, and, and what happens. We're just doing it for the first time with our partner network, ABC. That is right. Well, we are going to discuss it all, masters and syndication. Let's get right into it. Cue the beep boops. Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. We kicked off Jeopardy Masters with our first quarterfinal match between Amy Schneider, Matt Amodio, and Andrew He. 
Amy and Andrew ended the Jeopardy round evenly matched, but Andrew kicked it up in the double Jeopardy round with a perfect 13 correct responses and a $7,000 daily double, giving him a strong lead heading into final. All three players were correct, but Andrew secured that first win by just 201 points. Yes. We should say over Amy in second place. Hard to get used to the points, I know. It's Monopoly money until the very end. You know, this was exciting. That last clue that Amy got kept it from being a runaway. Gotta love when someone just keeps themselves in play that way. Um, Really, really tight. You know, looking at the box scores. This was just a great match. We instantly felt in the studio why this was Masters. Three great players, no question about it. Three giants. And we have in front of us on our monitors now, we see the stats. So we see the buzzer attempts and all that Sarah and I are talking to each other about during (laughs) this is that poor Matamodio buzzing in, buzzing in, buzzing in, buzzing in, buzzing in, just cannot get in on the buzzer. A lot of people online who haven't checked the stats yet saying, what's wrong with Matt? What has happened to him? You know, he seems to be like looking sad, looking, you know, he was sad because he couldn't get in on the buzzer. And those buzzer attempts that we saw in the box score were phenomenal from him. He just couldn't get in against Amy and Andrew in this game. Yeah, he had the most buzzer attempts, 50, but only 14 successful buzzes. So it really does show the knowledge that all three of these players have, but it's just that tricky buzzer, which you covered on last week's This is Jeopardy podcast. That's that right. We covered device. both <laughs> sides of the signaling device. And you can see how a great player like Andrew, even though in the Jeopardy round, he and Matt and Amy are basically even on attempts. He really used that time to dial in his buzzer timing. And you can see how even though they're evenly matched in double Jeopardy, he has twice as many successful buzzes as Amy and you know, half over as many as Matt. Now, this is the first time all of you out there are seeing the Masters format. And to be honest, it's the first time we're seeing the Masters format <laughs> because though we created it on paper, we don't exactly know how it's going to turn out And a lot of things change. You know, we have a certain number of commercial breaks that exist within the hour. To fit in two games within the hour, we had to eliminate the commercial break in the middle of the Jeopardy round, which meant we played out, you know, 30 clues before we ever got to the interviews. And that apparently was a real topic uh, of conversation between the contestants about how that would affect their gameplay. Yes, and Amy even was on Twitter saying, you know, they all wondered how it would throw off their playing But then the round ended, and none of us noticed the absence of the mid-round commercial break. We all agreed it was actually better that way, at least from their perspective, to be able to play that full round through and not have it interrupted. I do want to bring up our video category that we had in this episode. Jason Alexander, master of my domain. And my favorite thing he did in that category was he introduced, you know, I'm Jason Alexander with clues for you about the history of comedy. And for you big-time masters, I once responded correctly to nuclear physics for 1,000. He, in fact, did. He's been one of our Celebrity Jeopardy contestants, so that was a fun full-circle moment that he responded correctly to a tricky clue, and then he gave a great category. Okay, so amazing game. Three match points go to Andrew He. One match point goes to Amy Schneider. And uh, Matt, nothing on the board at the end of this game. And then (laughs) you've just felt the anticipation in the studio as we waited for the return to the Alex Trebek stage of James Holtzauer playing against, I think you would agree, fan favorites, Matea Roach and Sam Buttrey. 
Yes, and in this game, James and Sam were neck and neck at the end of the Jeopardy round. It was a close game between all three of our players in double Jeopardy until James found both daily doubles, as he so often does. He went in, no surprise, all in on both of them, adding a whopping 24,000 points to his score. Sam was actually the only one to get final Jeopardy correct, earning him that second-place finish. But James had already secured that runaway three points going to him. Yeah, those back-to-back daily doubles, especially when it falls to a player like James, that's going to be deadly. But I think Sam is really the big story of this game, really hanging in there, especially you know in the Jeopardy round. Didn't get the daily double, which James got a little bit too early. But Sam felt more in control of the Jeopardy round, and it wasn't really until uh, James got into double Jeopardy, got those back-to-back daily doubles, that it really felt like he took control of the game. Yeah, statistically, really evenly matched between James and Sam. James with 22 correct responses, Sam with 19. Absolutely. And Matea, we should say, looked a little overmatched early in the game during the Jeopardy Mm -hmm. round, but came back strong uh, towards the end of double. And, you know, as we'll talk about as we go through (laughs) the rest of the games in the week, Matea started to find momentum at the back of the double jeopardy round and they continued uh, that momentum throughout the week another highlight for me in this episode the first time we got to see sam buttry sam bring it buttry (laughs) exclaim and even ken said all right sam say it and he did bring it so really fun to see that and as we will see throughout masters all the players they're saying bring it on that last clue in the round everyone's getting in i feel like (laughs) i feel like we're gonna see some new jeopardy swag on the online store with with a bring it on the back or something like that Uh, i think i'm gonna sell the bring it moment to the uh, appropriate sponsor for the bring it campaign (laughs) there you go and sam let me know also that his fans are known as the buttheads oh interesting These are the things you also learn behind the scenes. All right. Well, on Tuesday in primetime, we kicked off the show with Sam, Amy, and Matea. Amy had a small lead heading into double jeopardy, but Matea found the first daily double and uncharacteristically went all in to take the lead for the time being. Sam quickly found the last daily double, also going all in to propel him into the lead, which he did maintain until final. Sam misses final. Matea is correct. They secure an exciting come-from-behind win. Yeah, in my handy-dandy notebook, I put this down as a tough <laughs> final. Uh, definitely watching it again, I, I, it, I connected the dots faster. But in the studio, this one felt tough. Um, a well-won and fought win from Matea. Of course, in Buzzy's fashion comments, I really loved Amy's blouse. And this was a game where in the studio, I felt like no one really got their mojo. You know, it was like it was a tight game, but it didn't feel like anyone really kind of caught their stride, which sometimes happens in, in games like this, especially, you know, this is now the second episode this is a long day. And so, you know, people maybe are trying to find their footing a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, Amy, I think, talked a little bit about like during preparation, you know, she was working on a book. She was finishing her book. She wasn't a focus. She didn't prepare in the same way. Matea uh, had mentioned to me that. They didn't have any idea of what the material was going to be like. The leveling of the material was a big question for all of our contestants. And I think we did see that a little bit in this game and a couple of others. 
Yeah, and I, I do want to speak to the leveling. Hats off to the writers and producers and everyone. It was just the exact notch up. I felt this way watching Goat 2. You know, you want to take it above a level of a TOC without getting so esoteric. And I think it was really right in the sweet spot. You had people challenged, but that's what you want to see. You want to see the best players uh, playing the best they can. Well, and even Ken commented on that last week when he was doing, you know, his press tour for Masters. He said, I went to the writers on more than one occasion and said, this is too hard. They're not going to get that. I don't think this one's gettable. And sure enough, the contestants did rise to the occasion. All right. And in the second game of the night, Andrew, James and Matt took the stage. It was a thrilling matchup between James and Matt. They both found a daily double in double jeopardy. They go all in. And then after a few lead changes, they were actually tied heading into final, the two of them even giving a high five as they headed into the commercial break. Unfortunately, all three players were incorrect in final, but that strategic wager from Matt secured his win, James going all in and missing it. So he ends the score with a zero, Matt with three. Ken closed out the show saying, you know what, if we have any more games like that, I don't know if my heart is going to hold out. And that's how we felt in the studio. Yeah, online, uh, many regular Jeopardy commentators have described this as the best single game of Jeopardy ever played. I'm sure it's in the Hall of Fame. We'll see if we put it into the Hall of Fame later in the year at Jeopardy Honors, Sarah. But it was this was just a staggering game. And yes, as you said, none of them got final right, but James got it right and crossed it out. It was the strike through herd all around the world. It was it yeah. was just amazing. Yeah, this was one of those games where I just at the bottom of my page in the notebook just says, wow, because you felt it in the room that these players duking it out. You know, Matt going on that uh, true daily double, that's like not necessarily his M.O. always in the game. But you got to rise to the people you're playing against. We saw Ken doing this in GOAT and now Matt doing it against James and Andrew. And I really think that this is one of those games where, you know, we were talking about Matt struggling to get in on the buzzer in the first game. Well, he found that mojo and was able to hang in there. And I don't blame James for going all in on the final. Like, you want to bet on yourself. There's a psychological aspect as well. He's already got the three match points from his first win. You don't want to go in thinking, I'm going to get it wrong, right? So how do you get yourself into the mind? mindset of I'm getting it right you bet it all well and one thing we've learned about this competition that we had hoped for is that these contestants you know they are seasoned champions so them coming back with this level of confidence that they're able to have some fun even among these tense moments I mean this is the show where James decides to take off his socks and shoes when Andrew (laughs) brings up the rumor that you know in order to intimidate his competition he takes off his shoes in the green room these are just those moments that add that much to the competition. I I love it all. I'm here for it. Yeah, Amy started that trash talk in uh, in the first episode. <laughs> yes. And she sort of made that conscious decision backstage to do it, and Ken came back at her. It's been wonderful, the spirit. We should say that, well, I mean, I think it comes across on camera. We don't even need to really say it. But the six masters uh, share a fraternity and sorority with each other that is quite staggering. Um You know, I say all the time to friends of mine, I'm not even American, and very often this show makes me proud to be American. I think it's the very best of America. This is up there amongst these six masters who represent, you know, all different kinds of knowledge, all different kinds of backgrounds, and they compete against each other so hard. They want to win so badly, but they do it in a spirit of friendship that is so phenomenal. I just love it. I find it unique in the uh, panoply of American (laughs) sports and life. 
and culture. Yeah, and it makes for good TV. Well, we head into Wednesday where James, Amy, and Sam took the stage for our first game. This was really the James show, a massive 19,000-point true daily double. Sam did put up a fight nearly getting him within striking distance of James's impressive 44,800-point score at the end of Double Jeopardy. Ken mentioned that was a very different game before that daily double, but in the end... James did earn a second runaway with an impressive score of 20,600 points. Sam earned that second place one match point, though. Yeah, I definitely felt in the moment Sam underbet on that daily double, as we've talked about. When you're up against someone like James, you kind he kind of forces people to play his game because you got to be you know putting up huge scores like that to even be in the running. So you know we'll see if Sam makes that adjustment going forward. Um, but James was on a roll. Sam also went back to the category where we had already found the daily double. It's a mistake he made in the TOC. There's a lot of reasons why someone might do it, but I think you don't want to give James Holtower a shot to find a daily double if you can help it. And yeah, by the time we got to final, this was a everyone can bet zero kind of situation, which, uh, you know, it's still amazing to watch James do what he does. Yes, I think everyone wondered since GOAT, you know, what has James been up to? Would he be able to play at the same level? I think certainly he is proving that he, in fact, can and maybe even playing at a higher level. In this show, we did have a lovely category by French pastry chef Dominique Ancel. This was just coincidence. So our category aired on May 10th, which was the 10th anniversary of the cronut, which Dominique invented. And it's also his son's third birthday. So what a present Dominique's son got to have to have his dad on Jeopardy on his birthday and the birthday of the cronut. Yeah, James Holtz, I can't hear enough about the cronut. No, he, he loves, didn't love that. loves it all. <laughs> he was not impressed. And, um, you know, in sending them that clip, you have to, you know, give it a little, just so you know, this is James. He's being funny, but he loved the category. Just trust us. Just trust <laughs> us. And even Amy, we talked about how all the contestants are getting in on the fun of Sam's bring it. Well, in the category of Shakespeare, the last clue, Amy does say, bringeth it. And I love that humor. You know, this was the first time that Amy was going up against James. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, she had wondered about that. She even said in the post-game chat, this game has been the fulfillment of a years-long nightmare. And then Sam followed up by saying, you know, some people are just happy to be here. I'm not that happy to be here right now. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta leave it to Sam. He always has a line for everything. He is such a comedic genius in addition to being a Jeopardy genius. Looking at the stats, though, James, 29 correct responses, the most in a single game so far. He had the most buzzes. He had the highest Coriat and this game overall least triple stumpers only yeah. two so and it says a lot about the contestants James was also perfect no incorrect responses that makes James a is perfect I'm going to tell him you said that all right we are- <laughs> that was a pause we didn't edit anything out there that was just that was it just, just buzzy speechless I left him speechless. All right, well, we're moving on to the second game of Wednesday's show with Andrew, Matt, and Matea. Andrew and Matt battled it out in the Jeopardy round. Matea ending the round, just remember this, ending the Jeopardy round at negative 400. Yeah. But in double Jeopardy, Matea clawed their way back and forth with daily doubles, scoring over 11,000 points. By the end of that round, they had worked their way into first place. Matea gets Final Jeopardy correct, capping off one of the most epic comebacks I have seen in Jeopardy history. That win tied Matea with James in total match points and games won. 
So in comes our third tiebreaker, total correct responses, which meant that James did get the edge because he does have more correct responses. First of all, let's just give Matea some credit because there was oh some God. doubt expressed yeah. about Matea in many circles before they were invited to Masters. Matea is just a great competitor. Matea went on a 23-game winning streak at the age of 23. Matea is <laughs> yes. the greatest young Jeopardy player on planet Earth and is really proving their right to be in this competition. Great yeah. on the buzzer. Talk to the other masters. They say that they think mm -hmm. Matea is faster than everybody. Gets kind of competitive and gets on a roll, gets hot every now and then, and there's just uh, no stopping them. And this comeback... You know, I love those competitors. Like, I love, you know, Roger Federer. He's that guy, so calm on top. Underneath, you watch his legs. He's paddling like hell. It's like the duck. Above the water, nothing. Underneath, paddling like hell. That's Matea. They are simmering underneath, uh, trying to find a way to get back into this game, and they did. Well, and to think all that they have had going on in the past year with a new podcast and so much in their life that they found time, obviously, to prepare for this competition, and I think they came back stronger than ever. Yeah, and I also love the way that Matea plays. I know some people like it, some people don't, but Matea kind of lets you into the thought process a little bit. I really appreciated when Matea found that first daily double and said, I don't like it, but all in. <laughs> you know, we, w there are those of us who are more or less comfortable going all in on a daily double, and it's nice to see, like, oh, this isn't necessarily my comfort zone, but this is how I'm going to play today. Well, as we mentioned, they are ranked second based on tiebreakers behind James. Let's talk about how the tiebreakers work, Michael. Are they working? I think they're working. We'll know more <laughs> as the competition goes on. But we knew that to make a points table, just as a points table works in, oh, I don't know, Premier League soccer, um, we had to have further tiebreakers beyond total points. So the first tiebreaker is games one. We think that games one is, is probably more important. We go to clues answered correctly as the next tiebreaker. We just know from the way that we analyze stats internally at Jeopardy, we go a lot to clues answered correctly. That's been something since we launched Jeopardata. That is sort of how we analyze players a lot in terms of their performance uh, in games. And then, you know, not all clues are equal. So we go to a Coriat score, you know, something that I believe I was the first producer in the history of Jeopardy to even <laughs> utter that word, to, to acknowledge, acknowledge the Coriat. But the Coriat is obviously important because it's the... It's the true test of how deep is your knowledge. And so somebody who answers, you know, more questions deep in double jeopardy, there is a there is a value to that over being amazing at the jeopardy round. And the fourth tiebreaker that we never anticipated getting to would be the overall score, excluding final jeopardy, but including those daily doubles. And all of this analysis once again explains why I am not invited into Masters, because somewhere <laughs> there is a file on me that just shows how pitiful and lucky I am. But let's Stick to the people that we're talking about here. It's not about me. I can tell you exactly where that file is, Buzzy. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Michael's desk. All right, well, let's get into our last game of the week, Jeopardy Masters. It's a 2022 Tournament of Champions finals rematch. Andrew, Sam, and Amy, it's the rematch you've been waiting for. Andrew really shined in both the Jeopardy and Double Jeopardy rounds, forming a lead early on and maintaining it throughout most of the game. Amy did creep up on him from behind after that big daily double, but Andrew then found the last daily double, and he went all in, 15,400 points. 
very brave, but propelling him to an unreachable score heading into final. Final was a triple stumper, but Andrew had already sealed the deal, earning himself another three match points and another one for Amy, another second place finish. Yeah, this is a game that it's a lot closer when you remove those daily doubles. Um, even in the Jeopardy round where Andrew looks to be dominating, take out that $4,400 and he's just $200 ahead of Sam. So this is really, if you were to look at it Coriat-wise, which I know you love to do, Michael, this <laughs> is a tight game. A couple comments. I really want to give Amy props for going to the aisles category in double Jeopardy. That would be where I would go if I was looking for a daily double and sure enough that's where it was so hats off to you even though Andrew ends up with the runaway uh, that was a smart true daily double but you know why he played so well is because he was wearing my tie that was my first note is that Andrew came out wearing a tie that I love and I was like I can never wear it again because it's now it's Andrew's tie well and in this game <laughs> I mean not that I'm not I'm very interested in your tie but it's okay but back to the game Amy <laughs> mentions that everything changed once Andrew found that last daily double you know if she, Amy, had just gotten Tignataro right, who she has met, she said. So she's like, I can't believe I blanked on that name. I have met them. And everything else going the same, she would have had half of Andrew's score. And then Sam said, you know what? If I had gotten all the daily doubles and gotten them right, I would have at least been alive at the end. <laughs> I also liked when Sam referred to Ken as K-Dog, oh, and yeah. I want to know if uh, production is planning on surprising Ken by like changing his dressing room label to K-Dog at any point. Well, Sam keeps coming up with new ways. He called him KJ in yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, he's got so many names for Ken. I don't know what we'll put outside the dressing room, but to be continued. All right, in the second game, it was time for James, Matea, and Matt to battle it out in the final matchup of the week. James put pressure on his opponents early on, jumping out to that strong lead and adding to it with a daily double. Huge 9,400 points that would be adding to his score. Mm. Matt was doing what he could to put himself into contention, and when he found the last daily double, he went all in, which is what you have to do, but he yeah. was unable to come up with the correct response. What is dope sick? He's seen a lot of television, but not that one. Dropped him down to zero points. And after that, James just cruised his way to a third runaway win, putting him all alone at the top of the leaderboard with nine match points. Yeah, this is a tough break. I, Matt played the game exactly the way you have to. The nice thing about the format, though, is that you can take those big swings because you know you're coming back. You're going to have another chance. And so uh, you get to see these players really going for it. And we see this, like more and more players really going for it on the daily doubles and final Jeopardy wagers. Yeah, so at the end of the week, James in first place in the table, Andrew in second, Matea, surprising many people, in third, Matt in fourth, Amy in fifth and Sam in sixth place. Remember, oh, this is all going to play out this week. Only the top four will make it into the semifinals and final next week. So uh, all to play for on Jeopardy Masters. I thought I'd add a little bit of color. The final Jeopardy was fictional places. It was a runaway. So we all just, you know, I was sitting next to Mindy Jennings, Ken's wife, and we decided to do a blind guest on fictional places. Mindy's blind guest was Gilead. Buzzy's blind guest was Lilliput. What? Blind guesser? Yeah. Buzzy Cohen, who so, knew? I'll take it where I can get it. I'll add it to your file. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Buzzy Cohen. You've heard me on Inside Jeopardy, breaking down stats, analyzing contestant plays, and reviewing key moments from recent games. Well, I'm hosting another Jeopardy podcast, but this one's a little bit different. Think less sports, more history. We'll be taking you on a journey from Jeopardy's beginning in the 1960s through the Alex Trebek years to its current day super champs. For the last 60 years, we've been watching one show. 
Hear how it all came together on This is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show. Out now from Sony Music Entertainment and Sony Pictures TV. Well, it was a week full of Jeopardy. Obviously, we had four one-hour master episodes. We had the Ken Jennings, Mayim Bialik Celebrity Wheel of Fortune matchup. Ken and Mayim each doing well for their charities. There was the game show show where Jeopardy was featured. And then we had good old syndicated Jeopardy with a very exciting champion, Hannah Wilson. So let's take a look at those games quickly. You know, on Monday, Hannah Wilson was going for a fourth win against Sammy Casanova and Javeria Zahir. Hannah controlled most of the board up to the double Jeopardy round where Javeria stepped on the gas, scoring a much-needed $7,000 daily double to put her in contention. But Hannah, the only one correct in final securing that fourth win. Yeah, this was one I want to call out the uh, Solzhenitsyn uh, controversy where all three players just barely missing an acceptable pronunciation of that writer. You know, a lot of people commenting, oh, it's close enough. Michael, Sarah, I I don't know about you, but I like my Jeopardy not being close enough. This isn't (laughs) a family feud here, right? We're going for the correct response after all. And, of course, we did stop down on this. We did go back and listen you know, especially to Hannah's response, which seemed to be the closest, but she did add a ch, a ch to the end of the name, and it was not correct. So thank you for everyone who wants to make sure that we are doing it right, but I can guarantee you that we did take the time to make sure we were in that game. All right, well, Hannah going on Tuesday for that all-important fifth victory to secure a spot in the TOC facing Joe Forty and Raquel Mata. You know, Hannah dominated the Jeopardy round, 17 correct responses, a big daily double. She continued her strong play in double Jeopardy, but Raquel did work her way back to have a shot in final. Raquel was correct, Hannah was incorrect, and had Raquel just wagered a little more, she actually would have ended Hannah's run. I got to say, I think that's the worst way to lose a Jeopardy game. It's like you got it right, you did everything right, and you just didn't quite pull it out. That is a tough place to be. However, hold your head high, Raquel, and congratulations, Hannah, officially securing your place in the TOC. And Raquel, not new to the Alex Trebek stage, actually a sports Jeopardy contestant, we learned. Way was back. Sports Jeopardy taped on the Alex Trebek stage? It was, Interesting. Yes. I always Different thought it was taped. Different set, yeah. same stage. Interesting. Different I always thought host. it was somewhere else. Yeah. yeah Dan Patrick. T- Dan Patrick. Who uh, uh, Michael Davies might know from sports. Is Jeopardy a sport? <laughs> All right. Well, on Wednesday, Hannah went up against Brad Davis and Hope Silberstein. Hannah continued her impressive play in this game, taking a lead early on and never looking back. Sixth win second runaway. We had a great Alex Trebek clue, Alex Trebek movie trivia favorite about um, judgment at Nuremberg. Always great when Alex visits us again in this game. Like, such a part of it. Yeah, the writers always find a way, I think, to have a few Alex moments, little little Alex wink moments in the game. Well, on Thursday, Hannah faced John Carnegie and Cat Waller. The Jeopardy round was a tight battle between Hannah and Cat, but with 14 correct responses in double Jeopardy, Hannah took the lead heading into final. All three of our players were correct. We'd love to see that. But Hannah secures that seventh win by just $405. Now, this is the kind of contestant camaraderie I like to hear about. We learned that Hannah actually shared an Uber with Kat because they were headed <laughs> to the same place. Hannah accidentally spilled her coffee in Kat's Uber, and she Ugh. joked that she had probably ruined Kat's Uber rating. Mm. And also her dreams of becoming a Jeopardy champion. Hannah is just stomping on Kat's life left and right. (laughs) 
But this was a great game. Nearly a runaway for Hannah. Didn't quite make it. Uh, and I'm told by our producers here that there was a huge stop down in final. Yeah, it was a crazy thing. The final Jeopardy clue didn't come up on our game board. And so the players never saw that clue. So not only did we have to stop down, figure out why that had happened, fix the problem, and then we actually had to replace Final Jeopardy, which is rare and it takes a little extra work behind the scenes with our writers and researchers. So that was a show where Mayim answered a lot of questions in the audience. <laughs> but that's what you have to do in showbiz. Welcome to television. All right, we moved on to closing out the week with Hannah Wilson, Skylar Galing, and Victoria Ford. Hannah dominated both the Jeopardy and Double Jeopardy rounds, heading into final with $29,000 wow. and a runaway. Skylar, unfortunately, didn't make it to final. Hannah was the only one who was correct. She secures an eighth win. Not a bad way to head into the weekend. I'm excited to find out if Hurricane Hannah reaches Category 9 level. Whoa. A sub-super champion, Buzzy Cohen level champion of uh, (laughs) here on Monday. I'm at the edge of my seat to watch tonight. This is what I would say about Hannah. And I've let you two handle these recaps so that we can, (laughs) you know, create some speed and momentum uh, around this podcast. (laughs) But you just look at her total correct on all of these games 22 29 29 26 and then 33 on friday with all due respect to the great buzzy cohen those are correct answer stats that are masters level play um we're seeing sort of a really good player here in hannah I'm texting Carlos right now to pull up my stats because I will not have this buzz. All right, while you two do that, I did have the chance to check in with Hannah right after she secured that eighth win. Let's take a listen. Hannah Wilson, eight-day Jeopardy champion. How does that sound? It sounds like unreal. Like, I can't believe that's you're talking about me, like a not a different Hannah Wilson. (laughs) That's a pretty common name. So you get the call. You're coming to the Alex Trebek stage. What are your hopes coming into that first tape day? I was hoping to win a game. I think that would like, I was like, if I don't win a game, that's fine. I was on Jeopardy. That's amazing. Like, that doesn't happen to everybody. Um, but I kind of did want to win. I wanted to say, like, I'm a Jeopardy champion. But eight days was not in the pick. I did not think this was going to happen. <laughs> and what was it like when Mayim said, you're a five-day champion and you're in the Tournament of Champions? I kind of, like, didn't realize that that meant I would have to, like, play against some really good players. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, though. I, like, I always love watching Tournament of Champions. To be in it is... Like, this is all a dream come true, but that is, like, I can't believe that's happening. Who are your Jeopardy greats? When you've watched the show over the years, who are the players that you kind of think, wow, that's one of my favorite Jeopardy champions? I liked Sam, like Sam Buttry from last time. I love Amy. Like, she actually kind of inspired me to try out because I'm trans, and she was, like, this amazing champion, and she showed that, you know, she could just be out there, and that was really important to me. Well, Amy Schneider, 40-game yeah. champion. Yes, that's Only, be... uh, you know, 32 games to go. That's a high bar. I would be, I'm just happy I made it this far, but, like, yeah, I don't think I can do 40. It's a long run. I remember even Amy saying when she got to 40, thinking about Ken at 74. Yeah. And how many more tape days she would have to participate mm-hmm. in to even get to that number. So right now you're at eight. Yes. You get to just enjoy one by one. Absolutely. Like every game is just fun to play. I love meeting the contestants. Like I think that's honestly my favorite part of it is just like when I get to hang out with the contestants. They're always like really cool, interesting people. I think that's my favorite part. 
That's now, true. over $200,000. Yes. What are we thinking? What are you going to do with these earnings so far? I mean, the, the train trips are nice. I think we're going to need to look a little bit higher. I mean, so my wife and I, we live in a pretty small apartment. We've been looking at, you know, kind of like cruising Redfin and Zillow before this. And I think, uh, I think we could uh, buy a place maybe. I think that might be nice. <laughs> Well, I think you should set your goals yeah. high. You've been an incredible champion so far. And we look forward to welcoming you back. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to being back. And there you have it. Congratulations again to Hannah. Ending the week with an eight-day total of $229,801. Now, we have discussed this before on the pod. On Monday, Hannah will face a co-champion in Ben Chan, who was not able to return when he was scheduled back in February. So he's coming back as a three-day champion. Hannah, of course, an eight-day champion. I just want to reiterate that when we rebook someone to come back, it's weeks ahead of our taping schedule. So we don't know what the situation is, and it's only fair for us to play it the way that it was intended and not alter it based on a champion. So you will have co-champions tonight or today, whatever time Jeopardy airs in your market. <laughs> On Jeopardy. Yeah, and uh, believe me, because this is the first time this has happened for me on bringing in a champion back. Uh, I asked many questions about what is the precedent, what do we do here, and was assured and uh, am assured that this was the uh, correct decision. All right, should we do some viewer questions? Yes. Jake asks, on Jeopardy Masters, does the studio audience get to see where the Daily Doubles are the way the show allows the audience at home to see them ahead of time? Thank you for bringing up the Daily Double reveal. Lot of discussion about this online this week. This was our little idea. Let's see how it is. Do people want to know where the Daily Doubles are hidden? So if you're watching Masters, we reveal that. The contestants do not see it and no one in the audience sees it because, of course, that would be us showing it to the audience, which would therefore show it to the contestants. A lot of different feelings about it. Buzzy, your thoughts? Well, I think it's kind of fun as somebody who has occasionally hosted this show and gotten to see where the Daily Double are. There is that anticipation of, you're almost there, you're almost there. Oh, and you moved away. If only you had kept going. And so I see the value of both ways. And I think alerting the audience and letting people have the choice is is fun. I mean, look, ultimately, there is going to be a two-screen solution on Jeopardy and in all television and this may not have to be anything within the broadcast. This may be something that you may elect in with your second screen to get right. and give to you on your second screen. Um, I think part of this, and this is sort of just part of the world of formatting television shows uh, for primetime, is that our network partners were looking for something a little bit different that isn't in the daytime show. Even though our show airs on the ABC stations in much of the country or on ABC affiliates. We're not only on ABC stations. ABC Prime wanted to feel different. You know, in Celebrity, we do Triple Jeopardy, which is something very different. Here we have this is just a one-format beat. It doesn't really affect gameplay, but it just gives the audience something a little bit different. We are analyzing what everybody says about it, both the pro and the con, and more sort of our feeling about it. I remain convinced that the biggest potential change we need to analyze that would really advantage the home audience is to see the category come up with the clue um that mm -hmm. is the thing that yeah. when we're watching in studio and we are looking constantly cutting between <laughs> in out looking yes. at the host looking at the three players and then looking at the full game board we have a huge advantage because we see where they're going i often find when i go back and then watch the cut uh, as opposed to sitting there in the audience 
I'm getting a little bit lost as to which category, especially with these players who play so fast. I'm a little yeah. lost as to where we are. And I think in an era of 69 television and HD, 4K, these beautiful flat screen big TVs that everybody has hanging over their fireplaces, I think we should be able to find some real estate to uh, remind people what the category is on screen. Well, and I think that was a question you posed to our Inside Jeopardy listeners, yeah. you know, some time ago. Mm. We got some response, but we'd love to hear more. Yeah. You know, how much would it improve your experience to see both the category and the clue on the screen? And on that, I would love to hear what you think of the Jeopardy Masters format. I think I said, you know, when we announced it, that it's not complete. You know, we didn't choose the number of episodes. We didn't choose the scheduling. We don't choose all of these things. We had to sort of make it work for a 10-hour order. But I'm very interested in what people think about, you know, the format, the point system, all of this stuff. Maybe it's a little early right now, but maybe by the time it's all done, it would be great to hear from everybody about it. Well, this is definitely a question for you, Michael. Kay asks, I just watched the first episode of Masters, during the program, it crossed my mind that in the Masters version of golf, all the players are equally challenged by the same game board of holes at a specific golf course. It made me wonder, what if the two sets of players in Jeopardy! Masters played the same board of clues? I was also imagining how James, Matea, and Sam would respond to the same clue board as Amy, Matt, and Andrew. Would it be too boring for the audience to witness the same clues twice? Do you know, that actually has crossed my mind before. Um, not so much in this competition, but it crossed my mind in sort of thinking about sort of other tournaments that we've played. It's a very interesting idea. Uh, I think that the issue always what we get terrified about is the security of material. Um, so I think one is how secure could we keep that material if it's already been exposed once? And secondly, whether it would be too boring for the audience to watch again exactly the same material. As a social experiment, uh, I would love to do it, though. Alex was famous for saying the contestants are the stars of the show, and I'm of the mind that certainly the contestants are an important part of the show, but really it's the clues and the game that are the stars of the show for me. So for me, every time I tune into Jeopardy, I'm excited to see a fresh set of clues. Uh, as a sort of quirky, interesting, how do different players <laughs> play the same material, that's sort of interesting to me. I don't know if I want to watch it over and over again. Well, and I think even more interesting is that you could put the same board with the same three and run that back and have different results. That's just how intricate this system works, this game, the buzzer, all of the different elements. So I think we equalize it as much as we can while still making a great program for people to watch. And that brings us to the end of today's show. We'll be back next week to discuss the remaining Jeopardy! Masters quarterfinal games and the very exciting matchup between co-champions Ben Chan and Hannah Wilson. Oh, yes, you are not going to want to miss it. Be sure to tune in tonight and see it all. And as a reminder, Jeopardy! Masters will air tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday as we close out those quarterfinals. Yep, and I'll be on Reddit reading everything you say about it. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, follow us at Jeopardy! on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on the TikTok. Send us your questions. Send those to InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. I'll see you all next week. 